our two cents. With Oscar. Welcome back to our two cents. We're doing it again here at Raxo Studios with your host, I, Oscar. Thank you for all your support. Please hit that subscribe button. It's free to you and it means the world to me. Our two cents, WOscar.com. Our two cents on all social media. Leave a comment for the algorithm, it helps. Hit that subscribe button. It's free to you. Helps me a lot. Thank you. Buzzsprout, let's get your podcast launched today. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or maybe just think it would be great to have your own talk show program podcasting is an easy and expensive and fun way to expand your reach online bus proud is hands down the easiest and best way to launch promote and track your podcast your show can be online and listed in all major podcast directories such as apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners and the team of Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over hundreds of thousands of podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's create something together. Following the links in the show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we, I, je suis, I sent you. Gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. Helps support our show. Thank you for all love and support. Happy National Chop Zooey Day. Chop Zooey Day. Which means... Assorted pieces is a dish in an American Chinese cuisine. The main ingredient includes meat, chicken, fish, fish, beef, beef, I can't even talk, and eggs as the meat cooks over high heat at vegetables. Happy National Chop Suey hashtag, National Chop Suey Day. Also, happy National Lemon Juice. There is nothing better than a good lemonade made out of natural lemon juice. Hashtag national lemon juice. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between. I enjoy having conversations with people that have lived interesting lives that um, I probably could not live those lives because first of all they didn't accept me to do that second of all i probably would have backed out if they would have gotten if they would have accepted me to join the marines um 
I don't know if there would have been much chance for me to back out, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I mean, me backing out. We're here to talk about the persons and the gentlemen that decided that it, is, it was in our nation's best interest to serve and protect. Well, not as a police officer, but in, the mil- in our national military. And today, uh, the same gentleman that uh, about a decade ago, I want to say, I hope I'm right on the, on the timing. About a decade ago, he was a part of a convoys that took place in a war uh, environment. I don't even know what to call it. Anyways... What I'm talking about is before I ruin it and I have to redo it all over again because I can't get it right. Daniel, a military veteran of the United States Army. I bring to you my friend, Daniel. I already said the name. Well, thank you. Here he is, Daniel. What is that? You good? Yeah, you look good. <laughs> all right. All right, how you doing? My name is Oscar. Nice to finally put a face to to you. You know, I know we talked on the phone a little bit. It wasn't much, but just you know, just a little introduction. That it was just uh, I wanted to see if uh, you were interested in uh, coming uh, on 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 this on my podcast. You know, just to talk about um, the video that caught my eye was well. First of all, let me back up. Let's start with I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Please tell us who you are, what you do, and all that good and all that good stuff about uh, either your past or, or or whatever you're working on or your experience, I should say. Well, so, how much do you know about me? Do you I, Google me? No, <laughs> absolutely nothing. I always usually do it like this, just because I before having an impression of somebody, I want to I want to get to know you first before I, I decide. Oh this person is this or that person is that, you know, I want to get you to know how you think your intentions and all that good stuff. Um, the only thing I know is that you're a veteran for the, I don't know what branch, just that that's as far as I know. Um, and a little bit of your experience on convoys that you talked about on, on a specific video that I saw, but again, like I said, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Cause here I am talking again. <laughs> I feel like, it's all messed up. No, 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 you look great, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so, uh, my name is Daniel Aaron Torres. And um, if you Google Daniel Torres Marine, you'll notice that I am the first United States deported veteran in history to win citizenship. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I've been an advocate for deported veterans for about eight years now. Oh, okay, okay. That's interesting. Yes. So, um, I'm originally from Tijuana. My family migrated to Utah when I was a kid. So, in 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 very layman terms, I was DACA before DACA. Oh, okay, okay. So you were the. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Yeah, when I was growing up, there was no DACA, so I was like. Very legal. <laughs> okay, let me back up a little. How old do you say you were again? I'm 36. 36. You're on my age. You're four years older than me. Um, what year did you? Uh, did, were you in the military? I was in the military 2007 to 2011. 
Okay, interesting. That was the beginning of uh, the craziness in the. Well, it wasn't the beginning, but it was like it was like the height, right, of the craziness. In well, the I was in Iraq in 2009. When I got to Iraq, it was very different. Like there weren't any firefights. It was all IEDs. Wow. Yeah. Right. I. I. I everything I know about that time in place it's uh the movie i don't forget the name of the movie that i've seen that but uh there's a whole team that's just dedicated to just uh deactivating those e those what are the ed i'm sorry i drew a blank what, what are they called ied that device all right right that's interesting what were you what was your main uh task when you were serving so i was a grunt i was a uh, straight infantry Um, because I was 21 years old when I joined the Marine Corps, I, uh, and I had like a, a good driving record. They picked me for a company driver. So like I would do my patrols, I would do uh posts, I would do everything that a grunt does, but I would also drive anything that had wheels. I can drive it. Wow. You, did you get to drive those cool tanks? Uh, I drove MRAPs. I drove Humvees, up armor Humvees. I drove seven-ton trucks. Yeah, I drove it all. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Not, I'm I'm making memory right now that you said that you joined in 2009, right? That's about... Well, Iraq was 2009. Oh, okay, 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 2007. Because I, I got what's called a TPS. I'm pretty sure you know what that is. The temporary protective status. Oh, okay. That's what I have. And I've been here since I'm 11 years old. I'm originally originally from El Salvador, right? So, gotcha. right. So when I, it, back in, I want to say 2008, nine, around there, I tried to join the Marines. Yeah. But they didn't let me because they said, yeah. that, but now I'm thinking like, how did they let you in when you were the first re recipient, but they didn't let me? What so uh I joined as a citizen. How did straight up lied? Oh uh, maybe I should go on that route. <laughs> <laughs> uh so 2007, it was the middle of Iraq war. Um I was 21 years old. Uh I wasn't really doing much with my life. Um I always wanted to join. I tried to join when I was 17, but because of my legal status. I, they wouldn't let me join. Um, and then, you know, the opportunity came about to join the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. um, I got what was what is called a hookup. I joined as, a, as, a, as a U.S. citizen, and I wasn't. Uh -huh. I wasn't at all, right? It and it was just one of those things like, well, you know, I either lie and see where that takes me or... I just, you know, go back to buzzing tables and living off tips. So right. I, I took a chance. Right. Well, it worked. Look at you today. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're fortunately you you weren't one of those cases where you didn't come back and you were fortunate enough to return. You know, I'm pretty sure you lost many friends uh, out there. You know, and 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 the harsh reality is that. It wasn't good, but it's good that you're here today. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Like I said, I 
I was just I just wanted to join it because I was just reckless and and exactly what you you were doing is what I wanted to do which was infantry because I was like I want to give me a gun and I want to go <laughs> but now that I'm older I think about it and I'm like maybe I was too reckless for for me to have actually gone that route and maybe for a reason I ended up doing what I'm doing today you know I'm, I'm I work construction now so you know. But in those times, right after high school, I just went straight to work in warehouses because I went to college for like an hour. And then I was like, I'm out of here. This is not, I'm done. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was the same way. And then I joined the Marine Corps and four years in the Marine Corps made me realize I want to go to college now. I want to, you know, right. work in an office with air conditioning and not have <laughs> sand in my butt. nice. I bet you that was the word. Have you seen uh, uh, that movie, uh, Jarhead? I'm pretty sure. Does that annoy yeah. you? Does that movie annoy yeah. you? No, is not it at all. Accurate? How accurate is it, I should say? Uh, I would say Jarhead is 100% accurate. That crazy. So you would have to have your own shovel, dig your own hole, and, and that's where you sleep. No, no. Like It wasn't like that because... In 2009, like, we had posts everywhere. Oh, we had bases okay, everywhere, okay. right? But just the feeling that you get from Jarhead, like it was like a, like, like, like you know, like it builds up this whole Marine Corps cult of war. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I was standing in a guard post for eight hours looking at desert. Like, you know, like... <laughs> It's it's that's what the what that's what military really is like. Military is ninety five percent of just hurry up and wait, and five percent of oh shit, what's going on? Right. So yeah, you you've lived the whatever is happening today that we see in the news constantly, right? But you actually lived that that action. How does that make you feel? Like when you see it happening, like I don't know, maybe I. People say constantly it's happening all over again, but is it happening all over again or is it different this time? It's definitely different, but there are some things that you start to notice and to correlate, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, here's a sobering fact about my deployment to Iraq. Okay. We didn't lose anybody over there. Great. Beautiful. We, everybody came back. Some guy got shot, but you know he's 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 fine. Don't worry about it. Um, he'll be fine. Uh, since we came back, and since I got out eleven years ago, out of my company, we've lost seven guys to suicide. Wow, trauma. Yeah, two of them were my peers. One of them was my senior that trained me. And every year, it's like, boom, we lost Randall. Boom, we lost Kyle. Boom, we lost Diamond. Boom, we lost Cuts. And just one after the other. And, you know, people don't realize that the, 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 the war doesn't end when you come back. You come back and you're still fighting a lot of demons and you're trying... You know, we've got to a point where we have a support group just to prevent suicide. We have a, a Facebook group just to prevent suicide. And there's been times in my life that I've contemplated suicide. So 
you know, it's it's rough, man. You know, um, it it stays with you and and it stays with you forever. I'd imagine because it's it, it it's pictures, memories that will never be erased from your mind. There will always be there, and, and on top of that, the recurring experiences that come through your head, like every now and then, that you like. Does it happen to you where you're like just relaxing? I don't know. I, I've never been to to something traumatic as like what you've been through, but I sometimes I'm sitting there and and I get and I get memories and feelings of uh, of that memory of what I was going through at the moment. And you know, and like I said, I've never been through anything that traumatic, but like sad moments in my life, like that I can recall in my memory, there's times where I'm like, I can feel the, what I was feeling in that moment when it's just a memory. And, and it's not, it oh. doesn't happen often. Okay. But something happens. And that's why I made that video. Cause I was, I was sitting there. I saw the, 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 the oil trucks. I saw the, the Mexican soldiers guarding the oil trucks. And I'm like, huh, I used to be those guys, right? Like I used to be one of them. And I I got like that that my, it's like my body's like, "Oh, I got to be alert right now because we we're, we're we're looking for IEDs and we're stuck in traffic and this is a great place to get ambushed." And my like my mind knew that we're in Mexico, I'm safe. My my mind knew that I'm a civilian, a civilian because, you know, still Marine, I don't have to worry about this thing, but my body didn't know that. My body was like, let's check everything right now and double check. Was was that video, that video was taken like la within like the last two weeks, right? It was taken, I don't remember, but yeah, it was like a week ago. Okay, but because the only reason I ask is because I'm, I was, Thinking about what what we I mean I don't know if it's accurate or not because all I can uh, all I can uh, talk about is whatever I've seen on the news and reports articles whatever you read you know um, is it w because the violence was already ramping up right at the at that time when you were already there was it yeah. you say you were yeah. in TJ but were you you think you were really safe though even though that was ramping up. Yeah, actually, I am safe because I'm not government and I'm not cartel. So Mexican cartels are okay. fighting each other. Mexican cartels do not fight the people. They have a lot of respect for people because Mexican cartels 100% understand hearts and minds. That's so right. Let's go into Mexican cartels a little bit, right? Okay. Mexican what, a lot of people in the United States think of Mexican cartels and they think of organized crime or gangs or mafia. But they are yeah. organized crime, are they not? Yes, they are. But the United States, and especially the media and people in general, underestimate the level of professionalism of the Mexican cartels. Right. <laughs> I That's, can see that. They think gang and they think prison gangs. They think... Hell's Angels, Bloods and Crips, or Mara Salvatrucha. Right. When I think of a cartel, I think Walmart, but criminal. Well organized. Yes. The people that are in the cartels, Mexican cartels nowadays, they're not your run-of-the-mill 
uh, gangbangers. Yes, they have armies of those guys, but the middle and upper management, we're talking about doctors, engineers, people with master's degrees, business, lawyers, attorneys, you know, judges, police chiefs in some cases, right? Like these are people that are well-trained and they are well-educated and they are very, very capable. And Mexican cartels are a shadow government of the Mexican government. The only reason why the Mexican government is still in power is because of the United States. If something was to happen in the United States, like, say, economic collapse or American Civil War, make no mistake, the Mexican government will lose control of a lot of states and you will have what it's called a narco state. That's a possibility. Wait, I heard that the that the narcos are scared of the, uh, what is that like the Marines in Mexico? What is it? What is the version? Their version? The Mexican Marines are very, very well, um, uh, well, very well organized. They're very well trained, and the reason why they're mostly scared of the Marines is because the, Mar the Mexican Marines have a reputation of not being corruptible. Um, uh, they're very hard. Uh, there's been a lot of attempts to corrupt uh, Mexican Marines, and for The majority of those cases, it hasn't happened. Oh, well, that's a relief, I guess. You know, there's at least, you know, one side fighting the good side, the good fight, I should say. Um, you mentioned earlier that they they have respect for, for the people, right? Yes. But they are burning businesses down. I don't think that's very respectful. <laughs> right. So the businesses that they specifically target are OXOs. Oxos are like your 7-Elevens. Right, right. Okay, I did it. I did read that exactly, that specific specific. So the reason why Oxos were targeted is because who owns the Oxos? Government. A lot of politicians. Right. Politicians. A lot of people in government. Right. Also, when you target this, the Oxos are like the 7-Elevens, right? So a lot of the food distribution and services provided to communities come from the OXOs, right? So when you start targeting food distribution centers, what do you create? You create an artificial inflation. Mm. Everything starts going up. On top of that, OXO is an easily recognizable business. Right. Everybody OXO, and there's OXOs in every corner. OXO is a big conglomerate. Right. It's not Pop shop is, you know, Lox is not owned by regular people. Mom and pop shops is not that. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah. So, or people have, have mom and pop shops that are like, oh, they're burning the oxes. Great. More business for me. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's looking at the, at the, at the scenario, like half, half full, right? <laughs> the glass yeah. half full. <laughs> if, yeah. If you live, you got to look half full. Yeah, it, it's it's a different a different kind of struggle, you know, because over here the struggle is you got to work all the time, but it's it's different because you got to pay for literally everything, <laughs> and in those areas of the world, say let's just say for example, you buy a house, well that's it, you paid for it, you're done. There's no no other charges that you got to pay in the, in the coming future, but on this side of the fence, it's a little different. But also, I got to say, I do appreciate that, but I also appreciate what we have here, the opportunities that we have here. It's 
a lot easier to build something than it would be, say, I don't know, I've never, I, I got here when I was 11 years old, so I know absolutely nothing of building any business, uh, either either here or outside of the country, I should just, let's just put it that way, you know, um, but I feel like I lost my train of thought, that's what I feel like right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but I was thinking about the the you said uh, the there that creates a mini inflation, but that mini inflation will only affect the the p- poor people, mom and pop shops. You know, it, that also doesn't seem like they're taking care of the people. You know, but I've seen in events of uh, natural disasters, they're the first ones to jump into action. That's yeah. That I appreciate, you know. In rural areas of Mexico, in a lot of rural areas of Mexico, the government is the cartel. And the ones providing services and benefits to the people is the cartels. Uh, Because when they make that much money and they don't have to worry about security, like they've already taken over a town, then they start, you know, helping people. The reason why El Chapo had such a cult following in Sinaloa is because he he did a lot of things for the Sinaloan people. There are entire generations of doctors, lawyers, uh, of engineers, of chemists, of dentists in Sinaloa whose entire career was paid by El Chapo. He would be godfather to entire generations of university students. Why would he do that? Well, first of all, he had the money. Two, he had the support of the people. Now you have an entire generation of, prof- of, of, prof- of you know, professionally university educated individuals who owe you a debt, mm-hmm. a debt gratitude. And in, in, in that culture, that debt gets paid back at some point. You know, it's the old godfather saying of one day, I, it, that day may or may never come, I'll ask you for a favor. You know what's funny? That that sounds exactly like the education system in this country. You know, it could, except they're not going to kill you. You know, if you die, they're still going to charge your family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do I mean do all cartels do this? Absolutely not. You know, there are terrible fucking cartels, and some of the atrocities they commit are also horrible. However, I o- I always point that out because I want people to understand that the reason why a lot of these criminal organizations exist is because of the corruption and lack of attention from the government mm-hmm. towards the necessity of the populace. I think it started with the war on drugs. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that was the beginning of uh, of what turned out to be like I don't know, a wild spiral that we're on right now, you know, because this could easily, whatever's happening down there, eventually is going to spill on this side. And I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure it already has some way somehow, but yeah. the, the ramp up is going to, it's going to spill on this side and it's not going to be nice. Yeah. Well, there's been people who have been saying that eventually the United States will have to intervene militarily in Mexico. That's scary. That's scary. And that also makes me question, are they going to intervene militarily because of the lithium that they found in Sonora? That, that too. (laughs) Right now that everything's turning into electric, you know. You've heard about the massacre of Allende, right? Where 300 families were killed? No. 
Okay, let me please make sure I tell you I will exactly what to Google. Yes, please. The 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 what was the name again that you you said? So you want to Google uh March 18th, 2011, Sonora Massacre. Now, what happened was in Sonora, there were these lands, these lands that are very rich in lithium. Right. Uh, government was trying to get people to sell those lands so they could get mineral rights for those places. Okay. People wouldn't sell. Government backed off. A few months later, cartel soldiers showed up and they killed 300 families. They burned the bodies and just basically killed an entire town. Kill them off. Uh, you lost me at where they killed everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that Mind you, this happened, what, an hour and a half from the border. How that that should have been bigger news, shouldn't it? I mean, it's it's a whole town. That happened eleven years ago. This is fuck. This is recent history. That is wild. I didn't know that. Okay, but let me back up a little bit. Um, but if it was cartel, how does this story get lost? How is the mayor of that town still in politics? Well, I mean, could it have been set up to make it seem like it was cartel? It was definitely cartels. Oh, okay. So every cartel is associated with a political party. So they 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 are the owners of the lithium now. Is that? I don't know. Damn. I don't know what those lands. I, I'm not an expert on that specific right. case. Well, let's just assume that given the fact that they somebody wanted that land and somebody didn't want it to let go of it and that somebody that didn't want to let go of it probably said this is mine and nobody else's and since they got rid of everybody some way somehow a company acquired all that land it's a dirty yeah. game <laughs> it's a it dirty is. game it is in mexico the biggest mafia is the government but you mentioned earlier the for the most part, they're nice. That doesn't seem nice either. No. Like That's I said, horrible. they they do care about hearts and minds, and they do care about the image in the areas that they control. Mm. But in the areas that they don't control, they burn buses and and, and semi-trucks in, the, in interest, major intersections, causing, you know, this just happened two weeks ago here in Tijuana. I was yeah. in Baja Fest with a friend of mine. The bar shuts down. They come out. They say, everybody has to go home. And we're like, why? Because the cartel Jalisco New Generation just came out with a public service, a public announcement saying that this weekend, their forces are going to be conducting operations in the city of Tijuana and they don't want innocent people to get hurt. So everyone go home now and everything shuts down. The entire city shuts down for the weekend and everybody stays home and then they go about their business. So, so once they get whoever gets control of it, you think all the violence 
most of the violence will stop at one point yes. or is just ongoing? Yeah. So what's happening is that cartel new generation is at war with the Sinaloa cartel for control of Tijuana. I, I read somewhere that it was three different cartels. Is that how accurate yeah. is that? It's three? It's accurate. It's the Tijuana cartel, the Sinaloa cartel, and the New Generation cartel. However, the Tijuana cartel works with the Sinaloa cartel. They are in you know allies. But they so are they're fighting the Jalisco New Generation. Huh. It, I don't I that I mean I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, I'm confused where how they how they are associates, but they're fighting territory. That's confusing to me. That seems like conflict of interest. Right. So, like the Sinaloa people work with the Tijuana people, and the Jalisco people are trying to take away Tijuana. Tijuana is not strong enough to go toe to toe with New Generation, so they ask Sinaloa to back them up. And now you have those two cartels fighting against the one cartel. Ah. And the reason why that, the new generation cartel, what what happened was that they burned semi-trucks and um, buses all over the city, right? right? Like from Rosarito to my apartment, I, I came across like five different buses in five different major intersections just burning. And I'm like, oh shit, better get home. Um, and what happened, the reason why they do that is because one, it creates traffic jams and bottlenecks all over the city. It paralyzes traffic. It forces security, police, military to, you know, take care of those bottlenecks and that traffic and take care of those burning buses. And while they're doing that, these guys go and hit whoever they wanted to target while everybody else is busy. Right. And that's what happened. Yeah, because so, I the the thing the thing that I also read was that they are finding like body parts every, like around the city as well too, right? But it's just like like rivals, probably not not yeah. like, not like regular civilians. You know the the sad thing. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's rival cartels fighting each other. It's not civilians showing up. So like a lot of my buddies, uh, and I think it's funny because they're like military veterans, Marines, and they're afraid to come to Tijuana because, you know, they're going to get kidnapped. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't have any money. You're not going to get kidnapped. What are you talking about? I know you're, you're poor. <laughs> yeah. Like, rich people get kidnapped. You're not rich. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You'll be uh, fine. Uh, so, like, you know, they're, they're afraid of coming over because something might happen to them. No, nothing's going to happen to you because you're not involved in that fight. Uh, the okay. people that are fighting are part of the illegal drug trade or are uh, like police detectives and government officials involved in the drug trade. Mm -hmm. That's who's being targeted. Uh, uh but to me, it seems either way, whether they're they're targeting cartel members or or uh, or police or other, it also seems scary for the for like the civilians. I mean, because they have well, to. It's fucked up. Don't get me wrong. Like you know, if all of a sudden there's like a shootout, you better hit the deck because you might get hit in the crossfire. Right. That's what I was thinking about. Just crossfire. You know, just like. 
unfortunate events, being in the wrong place or, or even the wrong spot, or even if you're in your house, because how can you be in the wrong place in your house, right? You could be in the wrong spot, though, but it's still terrifying. Um, yeah, I, you, 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 live in, you live in the area of TJ? I live in Tijuana right now. Yeah, oh. I have an apartment. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting. You, you have boots on the ground, and you're actually seeing Does it Has it calmed down, like, for, like, right now, like, today? Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Okay, okay. Yeah, because, see, I've always wanted to go. I can't go, but I've had, I, I've, I've ran this scenario in my head. I've wanted to go to TJ, but then I get scared because I'm like, it's, it's, it's another country. It's unknown. I don't know the rules. I don't want to get pulled over and not have the proper documentation and then just, you know, I'll get caught over there and just get put in jail and then I'm lost. Nobody will ever hear from me. That's what I'm terrified of. <laughs> no, that, that wouldn't happen. Um, if you want to visit Tijuana, you definitely can. Tijuana has a lot to offer. It has an amazing food culture. Amazing food, yeah, food culture. Uh, uh, um, it has an amazing red light district. The best, in one of the best in the world, right? Has incredible nightlife. Like, you're going to have a great time in Tijuana. Uh, things that I could recommend, either... Come here with a local, right? Mm -hmm. Or come down here with someone who's been to Tijuana, specifically someone that speaks Spanish, right? right? Uh, it's like LA. Beautiful places. You can go to really expensive night spots or you can go down the wrong hood and get jacked. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I hate going to LA. So I probably... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate the traffic over there. You know what pisses me off the most is when you're trying to find a parking spot and it's just impossible, you know, because there's nothing available. And then you got, you're got stuck parking way the hell down the street. That's frustrating. No, but I, I have a lot of uh, co-workers that uh, actually, they're constantly going to TJ. And, and uh, one of them was telling me that uh, he almost got caught in, in like right before they, they put the road, the road, uh, barricade or whatever it is uh, that they did on the roads. Right. Um, he almost got caught at like, as soon as he passed it, like he looked in the mirror and there was already smoke in the air from, from where he had just passed through, you know, and that, that kind of scared me even more. Um, I'll, I don't have plans of going, but you know, it would be nice to at least know, know the area. Cause I have a memory when I was 11, when I was on, on my, uh, on my way up here, <laughs> when I was on my way up here that we stopped at TJ and we, I had ta and I had tacos. That was the first time I had tacos, you know, and I was, I was in love ever since. And, but the, the messed up thing, the messed up thing is that ever since I had those tacos, I've been searching for that same taste on a taco and I can't get it over here. I mean, I'm not. I'm not bashing on the tacos over here because the tacos over here are, are good, are good. But whatever I had over there, that horse meat, it was delicious. <laughs> Tijuana tacos are known as the best tacos in Mexico. Right, Absolutely. Right. right. No, they're delicious. Like I said, I have this memory that I have never let go because, you know, it was. it was oh my. Best tacos in Tijuana, you actually have to go to the cartel land. Don't tell me that. Yeah, <laughs> man, unfortunately, that's where the good tacos are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where the hood is. That where the hood is, or yeah, that's where the hood is. And uh -huh. like, there's there's places in Tijuana where it's all cartel controlled. 
they're like they're the law there and police doesn't go into those places they just they're not allowed to uh, uh well obviously right uh what are the chances of a regular civilian getting kidnapped <clears throat> nah. well because I, I something uh, happened down here with uh you know dressed in gucci and you're looking for tacos in the middle of the night like in the outskirts of the city yeah that might happen but like if you're in the tourist areas and you're just a regular guy you're fine uh, okay. you're more likely to, to to get like extorted by a cop than get kidnapped in that case that, that does happen what if i have like a tundra and i go down there what would that be an issue They'll, no, they'll probably just like wait for you to go to a bar and then they'll steal your tr tundra. Well, that's what happened to the person I know. <laughs> <laughs> Actual kidnappings? No. That, you know, there was a lot of kidnappings going on in early 2000s. And there was uh, uh, a police chief called Leisaola. Mm. Leisaola is infamous in Mexico because Leisaola was a colonel in the Mexican army that. After the army, he was brought in as police chiefs in some of the most dangerous cities, Tijuana, Juarez, Jalisco, um, Guadalajara. Uh, and what happened was that he killed off all the criminals. He didn't arrest them. He didn't send them to jail. He killed them. Period. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what's, your, what's your feeling on that? So, the United States lives in a bubble. Okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of Americans have this idealistic way to, of, of looking at the world. Realistically, the world is very different. And for some people out there, for some truly bad people, the only way you're going to stop them is by killing them. Unfortunately, it sounds terrible it sounds cold-blooded but it is what it is right mm. um are we better off by having these cells of rapists and kidnappers and torturers and sadists dead absolutely he did the world a favor um he's he's definitely a boogeyman mm -hmm. but he was the people's boogeyman not the cartel's boogeyman yeah, right difference and and that, uh, Leisa Ola has actually been convicted of crimes against humanity by the the the, the South American Court of of, of Human Rights. That's so, wild. of course, he's never been to prison, and he's never going to go to prison. He survived seven assassination attempts from cartels. Wow. Uh, the last one took the the use of his legs. They threw a grenade at him. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, you know. This Ouch. man, this man, real, this man cleaned up the cities, and the way he cleaned them up was with death. Yeah. Well, there there comes a time where I, I also believe this. Like I said, I've never been in any traumatic situations or have had the training that you've had. Um, but I also believe that uh, it sometimes you have to get your hands dirty in. And there's times that whatever goes behind the curtains, it, it's not for the regular civilians to to see because what for? Because it's evil. It's bad, you know. And 
make no mistake, the United States does the exact same thing. Oh, you know, yeah. oh, you know, like they just don't advertise it. That's the difference. You don't find, you don't hear about it. But you know, what do you think CIA black sites are for? That's torture and kill. CIA black lights, black sites, Can, black sites. Yeah. What? Are, I've never heard Google, that. Google CIA black sites. All right. Is that like a place where they take people to? You you mentioned torture, right? That is basically places outside of the United States, bases owned and ran by the CIA, where they take people. They is they call it rendition. Renditioning is kidnapping. They will kidnap people, take them to these sites, and do enhanced interrogation in order to acquire intelligence. Wow. Can kill right right i mean yeah i mean it, it, who who was it that was convicted of water waterboarding it was waterboarding uh, nixon right no waterboarding was done through in the bush administration okay that, that, yeah well they did well that's known that they did that well that's what i was gonna say it's known that they did that so i mean yeah having those places is very convenient to them because away from jurisdiction right and, yes. and also, most importantly, away from all the heathens to not know what's going on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, I have a a sentiment, I, I, I should say opinion of, of uh, you know, of military services and all that. But I respect it. And I also believe it's necessary. But then again, I wouldn't want my kids to sign up <laughs> even though i believe in being patriotic i do because i i live here my my opportunities here are, are great and i don't know if i would have had the same opportunities that i have here in el salvador i don't know if i would have had the same opportunities that i have here that it took me forever to realize that i should take advantage you know but it, it's never too late, right? So the opportunities that we have here, I really appreciate. And that's what in my head is all like, well, like I told you a, a couple minutes ago, somebody has to get the hand, their hands dirty for the, for yep. the, for this to run the way it's running. And again, the opportunities are great, but also the oppression on, on some groups of people, it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, fine patriotic. Um, like, kind of like what you did sign up for the service and, you know, like f do whatever it needed to be done at the time for the country to keep running the way it runs. I don't okay. know. I don't know if what you did was really important for it to keep running the way it did, it, it, it did. but I know that because of everything the the government has done the freedom and opportunity that we have here it's unavailable anywhere else i think i don't so, know i've never been anywhere else i don't know what the opportunities are in tj too so i could be definitely we, wrong we are the modern day vikings no mistake about that right we are the modern day vikings we rape and pillage other countries and bring that wealth to this country that's what we do and uh, and you know, as a as a Marine Corps veteran and an infantry man, um, I was 
you know, I was the stormtrooper. I was right there, right? Now, you can love the United States. You can be thankful for the opportunities that the United States has given you. You can be patriotic. And at the same time, you can criticize the United States. You don't have to sacrifice your moral integrity to be patriotic. And you can demand that the United States upholds itself to a higher degree of moral standard. You can do all of those things. Just because you love this country and you're thankful and you want to be patriotic, it doesn't mean you have to turn a blind eye to the shitty things that this country does. And it does a lot of them. Yes. Because guess what? There's such a thing as deported veterans. And if people who serve this country do not have the right to live in this country, then who the fuck does? Yeah. That's that's where I was gonna get at, because <laughs> I was gonna talk about all the veterans that are that are left out there in the street that nobody cares for them, you know. Yeah. Um, I I also know that you know that there's programs out there that are willing to help, but there's also that group of people like a lot of your friends, a lot of your uh, your your friends that you lost, uh, they had a mental disabilities that wouldn't allow them to live a normal life after they Mm -hmm. got out, you know, and Mm -hmm. they also don't have uh, the decision making of, I got to put myself in this program so that I can better myself. Most of them don't, you know, because like I said, the, the, the mindset is like always on high alert, but when you come back, like you have to put that to rest And, and that creates an imbalance in your in your sentiment in your how you feel how you conduct yourself and, and everything everything that has to do with the brain um and those people that we have here in the street because you can't just go pick somebody up and force them to go to to a therapist if they don't want to because that infringes in your in your freedom right so right. i think about that too and and i put two and two together and it's like it's a decision that they make not to go but is also how can they make that decision? So you're you're touching into a, a very specific thing, right? Uh, you're you're touching into is it is it a person's responsibility to better themselves, and how far does your responsibility go to help that person, right? Right. And one ends where the other begins, right? I can help you as much as I want, but if you don't want to help yourself, I'm not I'm not going to be able to do anything, right? right. Good. Okay. Let's talk about that because that's very important. Right. So, I'm not saying that it's your responsibility to save someone who doesn't want to save themselves. That's impossible. Right. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to the person. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about is our tolerance to a per to that person, right? Not everyone that joins the military is going to be okay. Of course. Not everyone that survives the military is going to be okay. This is not uh, uh, everybody's going to be okay scenario. It's not. It's not a Disney movie. It's not going to be a happy end. There's going to be people who are not going to make it. Period. Right. You know this. I know this. It's just the way of life is. But 
where I have a problem is our reaction as a nation to those people who are struggling to be better, right? Because the United States has become a society with a culture that's very individualistic. We celebrate the individual. We celebrate the fact that everybody's different in their own right and everybody is, is a special someone. That is great. But what do you lose? What's the prize for that individualism? You lose your sense of community. Yeah. And when you lose your sense of community, you lose your sense of nation. That leads to selfishness and being selfish. That leads to not caring about each other. And how are we going to survive as a nation if we don't even identify with a community? Mm -hmm. So, when someone says, well, you got to pull yourself by your bootstraps. Well, you know, uh, I don't understand why you can't just, uh, 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 why do you want things to be easy for you? Well, why do you think, one, why do you want things to be hard for someone? There's two types of people in this world. There's the type of people that says, I suffered. I don't want someone else to suffer like I did. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other type of person that goes, I suffered. Why shouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which one are you? Well, personally, I think I don't want people to. I don't. Let's just put it. I'm just going to talk about my kids because that's what I know. I don't want my kids to suffer what I suffer. Right. <laughs> just because I went through it, I don't want them to go through it. But I also think about because of what I went through, I've acquired the knowledge and the experience that I have today. And I can, I can see certain things coming that probably my kid, cause he didn't go through the struggles that say, let's just say I went through, he won't be able to recognize unless he goes through a similar experience. So there, I think about those two, those two. Yeah. You yeah. you also mentioned too like pull up put yourself pull yourself up by the bootstrap right that that's I, I I don't believe in that because there's people that don't even have boots exactly not every not everybody starts in in the same starting point and that's the harshest reality yeah yeah Go. yeah I, I remember this conversation um I, it was it was like me. My buddy, my, my buddy Daryl, he's black, right? And right. we're talking to this, like, lady who's, like, the biggest Karen you can think of. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> uh, and we were having a very heated dis- uh, um, discussion, okay. right? And she was saying how nowadays she feels attacked because she's white. And why should she be attacked? Because of something that she has nothing... Uh, 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 no control over, right? And and she says that she told us that you know, there's no racism in the United States because everybody has the same opportunity. Hmm. And she's like, I don't understand why there's this like feeling like like there's race, racism. Like she was just trying to act like like there was no racism in the United States, and that her American experience was the same as my American experience as a 
immigrant and deported veteran, and as my buddies experienced as a African American. <clears throat> and the way I explained it to the to her was that like this: I said, "I'm not saying you didn't struggle. I'm not saying that you you've had it rough. Everybody has struggled in their own right. Everybody has." had their own journey to have to go through. The thing is that there's people out there who don't like me and my friend because I'm Mexican and because he's black. Can we agree on that? She's like, yeah, we can agree on that. Yeah, that's true. Okay, great. What we're saying is that the things that you had to deal with, trying to have a better life, trying to succeed, competing in the modern world, we've also had to do all that. But that extra flavor of racism, you haven't had to deal with that. And we have. Yeah, yes, exactly. And that's why she's able to say that in America, it's not that racist. It's not racist because she hasn't experienced the type of racism that, that, like I said earlier, the certain type of group experiences. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So when you, when you say, yeah, nobody has the same starting point, absolutely nobody has the same starting point. But what if we could at least legally make sure that everyone had the starting same starting point? And I'm not talking about communism. Right. <laughs> right? Right. So since the beginning of time, right, we've, as a society, as human beings, have identified as uh, uh, by our race, our nationality, our religion. But what if in the United States we adopted a humanist approach to our legal protections? The idea that every single man, woman, and child deserves to live, work in peace with the same protection from the law just because you are a human being. Well, here's what I think. This is why I think that I'm with you. I wish that would happen. But we love to put ourselves in categories. I'm Salvadorian. I'm Mexican. Salvador is better. Mexico is better. We love doing that, you know. And and, And I think us us ourselves prevent that from happening because yes. we love to categorize ourselves. You know, I, I made this argument to somebody and I was just being an asshole. I'll admit it. <laughs> um, he was saying, uh, you know, he was praising somebody for, you know, calling out the group saying, Oh, you know, we're, Oh, we're Mexican. Well, this and all that. Right. And I was like, you know, that's like, that's the problem with the world. The, we categorize ourselves and the gentleman wanted to debate. Oh, but this is what I told him. Why can't we just be humans that need compassion and understanding? And he got so mad at me that he wanted to debate. He, he said, he messaged me. He wanted me to go on his, on his YouTube channel to debate. I was willing to go, but I asked him, like, what do you want to debate that we're humans and we need compassion and understanding rather than categorizing ourselves. So, you know, and, and he he did answer that. I don't even remember. I just remember, remember the first parts of the interaction. But um, he kind of attacked me a little bit, saying that I was wrong because I was criticizing because they were categorizing. But 
I think that when we put ourselves on categories, I think that's where we're wrong. And yeah. We should, we, we're all, we're all one species. We're the human species. We're not like, we're birds and dogs are different species, you know? It, it's, so, okay. So where, where have you seen this categorization? Let's start with that. Where can you think of a place where you've been categorized? categorize yeah that'd be categorize um category that's a word (laughs) (laughs) it's a a hard word but uh well in in our everyday lives everything that we do you go look for a job what race are you this is my category keep going (laughs) you uh well anything i I just went to the dmv you know to change my address they were asking me for my 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 gender my what what do i categorize myself hispanic uh, Mexican, well, not Mexican, same thing. Um, white or, or, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Hawaiian or Jesus. I lost There's my train of thought, five. but anyways, <laughs> yeah, There's only five, which are, I don't, I just know Asian, okay. Native, African, European, Latino. That's it. That's According right. to the United States government, everybody in the United States belongs to one of those five. Never mind. Salvadoranian culture, Chinese culture, Italian culture, Mexican culture, well, Texas, because that's a culture. Yeah, but I Go think ahead. the way they're looking at it when we say we're Latin, I think they all, they, because all the Spanish, French, Portuguese, and I don't know what other countries, what other speaking countries are uh, Latin, consider Latin America. And I think yeah. that's why they categorize us as Latin and we categorize ourselves as, like you said, Salvadorian, Mexican, you know. It's, I don't know, uh, I accept it, but I don't like it. And I think we would be better off without those categories. Because the United is the only country that does that. They don't do that in Mexico? They don't ask you mm-hmm. what, what your race is? I kind of figure that one. Why did I even ask? <laughs> yeah, um, it's a country that was built on categorizing people, on making people lesser than what they are. Uh, yeah, it was. Let me just say, a building racism. <laughs> um, For the benefit of who? The whites. <laughs> now there was. A, there's been a shift in the last fifty years. Because it used to be to the benefit of the white race. Right. But nowadays, it's to the benefit of the rich and powerful. Yeah. See, globalization flipped everything on its head. I mean, think about it. In the last 20, the internet, it's like 20 years old. For the first time in history, we have a global communication system Banking system, political system, military system, transportation system, economic system. It's in history that we have been so interconnected. So race, nationality, religion, it's starting to mean less and less. And it's starting to become about who has money, who doesn't. Rich versus poor. Yeah. Does that worry you? Like like, like we're going to get left behind? Uh, it does worry me because I like to look at history, right? Humans, we, 
we tend to repeat the same mistakes. And whenever we run into a problem that we don't understand, we tend to look in places that look seem familiar. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that the future is like technologically advanced and we're going to go to Mars and we're going to travel the stars. I think the future is medieval. It's going to be what? Medieval. Medieval? Well, yeah. ah, with, are we talking about with, uh, because of the nuclear power, the with private militaries on the rise with billionaires being able to control large parts of land, uh, with water rights becoming no longer a thing. A lot of water rights in the United States are being bought by private companies. I'm, I have to cut you off on this one. I just read an article today that California is putting a law that if you have a well in your property, you have to pay taxes on that. Otherwise, they're going to come and shut it down for you. Jesus Christ. You know, this scares me too. When I, when I read like articles about the, the, what the government is doing with the people here and what they want to do for the future, um, that scares me. And it makes me think, damn. Is it is it time to bail? <laughs> you know, because because the way either way, if it all went south, I think you would be safer in Mexico if it all went south. You think or no? Where where do you think would be safer? Nowhere. Damn, I was hoping the Salvador would be safer. Jesus Christ. <laughs> have to realize a lot of these Latin countries are, a lot of these Latin country governments are propped up by American interests. The, Amer- the Mexican government exists because of American interests. The Mexican government is not as powerful as you think. There are cartels in Mexico that are more powerful than the Mexican government. It seems that way, at least from this side, I mean, because, I mean, obviously they're running most shits. And like I, like I-, I mentioned earlier, any disaster, they're the first one to jump into action to the, for the community. Take this with a big grain of salt. Okay. But I think if the United States goes belly up, the safest and closest place to be will be Sinaloa. I can see it. I can see why. Because, again, if you look at history, um, or, uh, young nations must all meet certain requirements. There's a criteria for young nations. Uh, If they don't meet every single one of these requirements, they usually fail or they get absorbed by a much much larger nation, right? So the first thing that a nation has to have, an early nation has to have in order to survive, is it needs to be agriculturally self-sufficient. You need to feed your people. Of course. And you need to also have a surplus of food to feed your army. Sinaloa has that. Sinaloa is one of the biggest agriculture uh, 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 producers in Mexico. You need to have your own culture, right? Uh, Religious culture and social culture. Sinaloa 100% has its own identified culture, especially in the religious sector with its cult of Malverde, with its cult of Santa Muerte. It also needs to have a good trade routes. Sinaloa has an amazing trade route by land from north from North Mexico to Central Mexico, and it has uh, uh, access 
to the Pacific Ocean. Mm. And finally, it must have access to um, mineral and energy-rich departments. Sonora is rich in minerals. Mexico is the number one producer of silver in the world. And there's a lot of copper in Durango. Is Monterrey in Sinaloa or is that a different state? On the other side of the mountains. Uh, And Monterrey is mostly a manufacturing hub. A manufacturing hub created by the United States. Is that where they're having a drought? Because I remember reading something that there was a part that they're having a drought. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Daniel, I really appreciate you and your time. And thank you for scaring me. And... (laughs) And now I got to change my my plans of my exit because it seems like I can't go to El Salvador. I got to go somewhere else. <laughs> you know, I'm very hopeful. I hope that we'll we'll all be okay. And uh, the powers that be realize that uh, if they decide to bombard each other with nukes, then nothing's gonna be around left for them to to operate. So I hope they realize that. You know, because I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a good time here. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm fortunate to say that I'm having a good time. So, you know, like I said, well, Daniel, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to have this conversation with you, to talk to you. And um, I really appreciate you and your time. Um, any other time you want to come back on and keep talking and keep keep scaring me of what's, what's uh, the reality of what happens on the other side of the fence from us? Because all I know is whatever happens on this side of the fence and whatever the news says, that's all I can say. That's all I can say that I know, you know, um, but again, thank you for giving me the time. Um, anything else, please go ahead and, uh, and plug your, 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 your TikTok or everything you have going on, please. Uh, you know, you can follow me at Darren Torres. That's D A R O N T O R R E S is the same for Facebook, Instagram, and, um, TikTok. I have a documentary, called Bring Them Home. We're playing in the Catalina Film Festival on the 23rd and 24th of September. Um, you can check out uh, excusemyaccent.com slash bring them home the film and see the documentary. We the, It's been winning uh, awards in the film festival left and right. So go ahead and check it out and support us so that we can talk more about this with a lot more people. Well, I I wasn't aware of the film. We should have talked about that <laughs> next time. I definitely want to talk to you again because you 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 know what what's really going on and you're and you've lived a life that uh, I only wish I would have. And for I was fortunate. Maybe I was fortunate not to have lived that life. Maybe I should just stop wishing it. <laughs> I don't wish it like that, but I should just stop talking. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dad. I really appreciate you. All right. I appreciate you, you, Daniel. Thank you. We've been scared like none other before, but knowing that uh, there might be a place where we can escape if shit hits the fan, that gives me tranquility, if that's the right word. Peace of mind, I should say. Thank you, Daniel. Please check him out. Links are all in the show notes. This is R2 Cent with your host, Oscar Doses.